Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on July 6, 2023, a rainy Thursday, and that's the first topic of discussion today. Uh, I realized that last week I made a mistake telling everybody that there would be a vid chat for tomorrow, and I didn't even look at my own schedule, <laughs> because... I had scheduled the first July vid chat for next Friday, July 14th, not tomorrow. And it's just as good that I did that because we have had, in addition to four days of nonstop firecrackers, which have been driving my poor little dog Shiloh nuts, we've also had rain and thunderstorms every day since then, which also has driven her nuts and made me sleepless because when it happens at night, she just gets so scared. She comes over and, and basically wakes me up. So, uh, and of course, ever since the storm a couple of weeks ago, we're all a little on edge any time we hear thunder or see weather alerts about strong winds. Um, hopefully all of this will be out of here by this weekend and with with no more storms this has been going on folks as you know since late march early april normally we're out of this season of you know just endless storms by now but this year it's gone on and on and on and as most of you who are members of my website know it has caused absolute havoc with my attempt to schedule vid chats. Uh, it's just, it's it's beyond the pale. Anyway, uh, so that's the first item of, of housekeeping I've had to do to apologize for mixing up in my own mind the schedule. But uh, even if I did schedule it for tomorrow, chances are I would have to reschedule it because of the rain. However, the vid chat uh, comments and questions area is open. You can post your comments and questions. Please remember uh, to try and keep things short, uh, concise, and to limit your questions and comments to one post. And please, if you are commenting on someone else's post, please don't do that in the vid chat uh, comments area. Now, I want to talk uh, a bit about something that happened 80 years ago, give or take, uh, probably give a few weeks, because it really happened in March of 1943. And it's just a little bit of historical context. It has no relevance or bearing to the story we're going to be talking about today, other than it concerns the same place. About 80 years ago in March of 1943, in the aftermath of the Russian encirclement of the German 6th Army at Stalingrad, the Russians actually launched a massive, massive counteroffensive, which was not only meant to encircle the German 6th Army, but the entire southern wing of the German front in European Russia, and basically that meant encircling the entire army group south. So there were Russian spearheads, armored spearheads, tanks, 
driving westward toward the Dnieper River in the Ukraine. And from there, the plan was to turn them south toward the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea in the Crimea, and basically just encircle two million men of the German army group. And of course, had the Russians been successful in that grandiose operational plan, World War II would have ended much, much earlier than it actually did. There would have been a total, complete collapse of the German military position on the Eastern Front. And uh, what stood in the way, really, of the Russians doing this, the Germans were in full retreat, or at least what appeared to be full retreat. But the man that was orchestrating that retreat had his headquarters at Zaporozhye in the southern Ukraine on the southern Dnieper River, where the current talk is about the nuclear power plant there. And this German general was very calmly watching the dispatchers come in, read reports, and advance the red arrow lines on his map. And it was very clear what was unfolding. It was a disaster if he didn't pull some sort of rabbit out of his hat. And the disaster was to the very dangerous point that the leading Russian columns, the leading Russian tanks under a Russian general by the name of Popov, were within about, I, I believe, somewhere between 60 and 5 miles of the headquarters of Army Group South at Zaporozhye, where this German general was watching the progress on the map. And at one point, a dispatcher came in, moved the red arrows even closer to his headquarters and closer to disaster. And this particular dispatcher overheard this German general say under his under his breath as he was watching the Red Arrows advance, he heard this German general say, and the best of luck to you. The German general's name was Erich von Manstein. He was perhaps Germany's most capable operational commander during World War II, and in a general staff with the likes of Colonel General Guderian or Field Marshal Rommel or Colonel General Hepner or any of a long list of other extremely capable commanders, that's quite a feat. What von Manstein did was he launched a counteroffensive against the Russians, and basically, as a result of that counteroffensive, annihilated not only all of the advancing spearheads, but in fact, encircled and decimated the Russian 6th Army. It was kind of a tit-for-tat scheme. Four Russian armies disappeared from their maps at Stavka as a result of von Manstein's counteroffensive. So we're going to be talking about the von Manstein moment because there is a couple of there are a couple of articles I want to bring to your attention. 
The first article appeared at Zero Hedge. It's titled, The Ukraine Preparing for Nuclear Explosion as Russia Reduces Zaporizhia Plant Presence. And I'm obviously using the Russian pronunciation of Zaporizhia. Uh, the Ukrainian is Zaporizhia. Uh, basically, not much of a difference. But this article has some interesting things. I'm going to be reading quite a bit of it. I want you to listen carefully. And then I'm going to go to another small article that I also want to bring to your attention into this context. So we'll start at the very beginning. Quote, the Ukraine's President Zelensky has once again been warning the public and the West that Russia is planning to stage some kind of disastrous nuclear fallout event centered upon the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, Europe's largest. The claims from Ukrainian top officials have been persisting for weeks at this point, but have grown louder in the last several days, as Americans are busy with July 4th festivities. Quote, there is a serious threat because Russia is technically ready to provoke a local explosion at the station which could lead to a radiation release, unquote, Zelensky claimed days ago at a joint news conference in Kiev. The Ukrainian intelligence is at the same time this week saying Russia's military is reducing its presence there and has told staff to relocate to the Crimea. The Guardian on Thursday cited the Ukraine's intelligence arm, the GRU, and please notice, folks, I'm supplying all the missing definite articles in our in our increasingly grammarless uh, modern English language. The Guardian said on Saturday, cited the Ukraine's intelligence arm, the GUR, to say that several representatives of Russia's state nuclear energy agency, Rosatom, have already left, and further, that Ukrainian employees who stayed at the plant and signed contracts with Rosatom had been told to evacuate by Monday, preferably to the Crimea, it said. Now, I'm skipping a couple of paragraphs. Quote, the Kremlin has expressly denied the Ukrainian allegations. Russia's United Nations Ambassador Vasily Nebenzia, pardon me, Nebenzia replied saying that he had written to the UN Security Council and the Secretary General Antonio Guterres to state, quote, we do not intend to blow up the nuclear power plant we have no intention of doing so, unquote. All this has resulted in heightened international scrutiny over operations at the plant. The Ukraine says the world is watching. Skipping a few paragraphs. These are the paragraphs I want you to pay close attention to. Because, folks, I'll be very blunt and honest. I think the uh, Zero Hedge author here is getting this point exactly correctly. Quote, is a Gulf of Tonkin moment at hand. Shortly after returning from his latest trip to Kiev, Senator Lindsey Graham, I like to call him Lindsey Graham Cracker, along with Senator Richard Blumenthal, introduced his resolution providing Article 5 guarantees to the Ukraine in the event that, among other things, a nuclear facility is destroyed in the Ukraine. Just coincidentally, the Ukrainian government, including Zelensky and intelligence chief Budinov, started issuing warnings about the Russian plans to blow up 
the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, even though the plant is under Russian control, and blowing it up would have no strategic value. Please note that, because he's absolutely correct. There's absolutely nothing for Russia to gain economically, militarily, or anything else that you can think of by blowing up that power plant. So I'm continuing now with the Zero Hedge article. The Ukrainian propaganda channels keep pumping this claim without evidence. Of course, a compliant media has not pressed them for any, simply repeating the claims as if they come from an unbiased source. If the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant gets destroyed, and please note that they abbreviated that ZNPP, no, Folks, again, I'm on my I'm on my anti-abbreviation rant kick here. Abbreviations are not communications. If the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant gets destroyed, we won't know for sure who did it, but we can be sure that the media will reflexively blame it on Russia, as they ludicrously did with the destruction of Nord Stream. This press dynamic combined with the Graham Blumenthal resolution, actually creates a perverse incentive for, quote, someone, unquote, to destroy the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant if they want to draw America deeper into the conflict. The outrage over the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which we now know to be a lie, created the pretext for that involvement. If the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant is destroyed, look for howls of outrage from the war party seeking the Americanization of the Ukraine war to begin. And I happen to agree with that. I think that if there are any fingers to point, if anything does happen to the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, the fingers should be pointing at the Ukraine and at the United States, and possibly the United Kingdom, because I definitely think the United Kingdom may have had its hands involved in the attack on the Kerch Bridge, the bridge over the Kerch Straits, and uh, I strongly suspect both countries involved somehow in the attack on the Nord Stream Pipeline. Now, in that context, folks, in the context of a potential Gulf of Tonkin incident, I want to read most of a very short article that appeared on July 4th during the holiday that addresses the whole issue of the drone attacks on Moscow. And I want you to listen very carefully to these four short paragraphs. The article is titled, Russia Says Ukrainian Drone Attacks on Moscow Not Possible Without U.S. Support. Quote, these attacks would not be possible without the help provided to the Kiev regime by the United States and its NATO allies, the Russian Foreign Ministry said. The ministry added that the United States and NATO were, quote, training drone operators and providing the necessary intelligence to commit such crimes, unquote. It's not clear if the U.S. and NATO are enabling drone attacks inside Russia, but there are signs the Western powers are involved in some way. 
following the drone attacks on Russian air bases in December of 2022, an Asia Times report cited military sources in NATO countries who said the drones used U.S. satellite global positioning data to hit their targets. U.S. military equipment has also been used in attacks on Russian territory despite Ukrainian assurances. A cross-border attack in Russia's Belgorod region was launched on May 22nd using U.S. armored vehicles and NATO's rifles. One of the groups involved in the attack, armed with U.S. weapons, the Russian Volunteer Corps, includes members who are open neo-Nazis and white nationalists. The New York Times reported last month that the Biden regime is no longer concerned about Ukrainian attacks inside Russia escalating the war. The administration previously worried that such operations could lead to a Russian attack on NATO. But if Russia perceives that the U.S. and NATO are enabling these attacks, the risk of escalation is very high. Folks, I've been saying this for a long time, and I think that, again, those statements from the Russian foreign ministry are warnings, once again, to a Western political leadership that is not only insane, immoral, but appears incapable of listening at all, that Russia is seriously considering escalation. And I've talked about this for, I think, the last three News and Views uh, segments, because I think the danger is very clear. But I want, again, to stress something that the word escalation does not mean. If the Russians do detect Western involvement in an attack on the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, then certainly a nuclear escalation or response is possible. It is on the table. But I rather suspect that if the Russians, and I've, I've mentioned this over and over, if you are willing to consider nuclear escalation, let's remember what Professor Kaganarov said in his op-ed piece in RT. And that was that there were about 24 steps prior to the step of escalating to the nuclear level. So in other words, there are other types of responses that Russia might start considering in its own counter-escalation. And among those, I've been arguing, and I don't think anybody's paying attention, unfortunately, but I've been arguing that they have their own on-the-ground human intelligence capabilities. And they are certainly capable of inserting human boots on the ground where that in intelligence capability does not yet exist. So my warning to the Western leadership is you're making yourselves targets. The more you use drones to attack Russian targets inside of Russia, expect similar countermeasures. Um, I, I think that eventually, if, if the United States keeps poking and prodding the bear, there will be some sort of response. Um, and the, the problem for the West is, having provoked and prodded the bear right now, 
we have absolutely no one in our political, or for that matter, military leadership class of the military operational and tactical brilliance of Field Marshal von Manstein. And we have a political leadership class that is every bit as nuts as that of Nazi Germany. So the situation does not look good. Um, these, these rabid, warmongering neocons that have been driving U.S. foreign policy right into the ground ever since the aftermath of the af assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, they're up to their same old tricks, folks. So be aware, and at this point... Um, if you're agreed with me that, that the Ukrainian mess needs to stop, uh, I would either start writing or phoning your congress, congressmen and senators and, and letting them know. There's, there's no reason to be sending billions of dollars, much of it which I'm sure is lining the pockets of the Ukrainian oligarchs to defend their borders when we can't defend our own. So that's it for today's news and views from the Nefarium, folks. Happy post-4th of July. Say some prayers for us. We need to have an end to these constant, constant storms. And people trying to dig out after the storm damage need a break in order to do so. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, everybody. That's it for today's news and views from the Nefarium. Bye-bye, and we'll see you on the flip side.